0: Okay, it's at, uh, Addict Static, uh, we're back together. Um, we are gonna start another episode off today uh, with another icebreaker. Today, I'm gonna ask uh, our friend Ed to uh, give us a little input on what he thinks is uh, either a favorite place to travel or the type of traveling he likes to do. Air conditioning. Uh, air conditioning is always nice,
1: but not a prerequisite for me. <laughs> so for me personally, for traveling, you know, I've often talked to uh, friends and family that the destination for me is almost meaningless. And that's not to say that, you know, other people who have, you know, certain ideas of of destinations that they want to go to, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, for every person, I think, you know, we have our own values um, and and our own desires and dreams, you know, and what we want to do. For me, the type of traveling I enjoy most is being with friends and family. That time together is key.
2: And that's one to grow on. You You guys don't, millennials don't even know that, right? I remember remember that. that. I remember remember. the rainbow. Yeah, that was good. That's good.
1: It's very much like the movie Up, right? In the movie Up, Disney Pixar, Mr. Fredrickson was so stuck on getting to Paradise Falls until he finally got there and realized, uh, just kind of bored, right? It was the journey and the time with the other younger character, Russell, right? That brought him happiness and joy. Did you just watch that recently? No. How do you remember their names? Because it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it with I don't them. remember the name
3: of the guy, main character in Forrest Gump.
1: <laughs> well, I think he
3: just said it. Does.
2: <laughs> but that no, well, had a huge impact on, on it, obviously. Apparently. It's a decent metaphor for
0: life, too. Yeah, yeah. it's a great movie. Great movie. Forrest Gump and Up. Yes. Okay, that's right. <laughs> All right. So um, let's move into uh, the questions today. So the first question I have down here for Gary. <laughs> um, and I know he'd be excited about it, but I think everyone gets to jump in. So, buy or rent? Simple question. Very simple. Um,
3: well, obviously, it depends on what you can afford. Um, if you rent, you're not responsible for anything other than your monthly rent. Uh, if you don't have a down payment, and now with prices of houses being very high and mortgage rates being very high, uh, it's very difficult to buy a house right now. So, uh, renting could be the way to go, um, But I don't know how to go into more detail than that.
2: I heard Adam inhale, so go ahead. Oh, Oh, yeah, go. Sorry, is that an etiquette thing? Better than this, right? Uh, Uh, I got a one-word answer, spreadsheet. Good, good. And then you can see if you can afford it. It it depends on where you are, how much money you have, what the market looks like, what interest rates are. And unless you actually run through the numbers, do the calculations, you're you're just
4: pissing in the wind. And you got to have a plan. What are you trying to accomplish?
2: Facing into the wind, nonetheless. Right,
0: and and if you you piss into the wind, make sure the wind's at your back. (laughs) So if you, um, and if you think about the the buy and rent thing on the buy side, right? Am I buying a single family house? Am I buying a condo? Am I buying you know something that I'm going to have a roommate in? Right, like it makes a very big difference, and we cover a lot of those topics. So you know, we have
3: that's a good point. We have discussed this. If you're going to buy a house and you don't have as much money, then you should be looking to buy house with having people be able to rent it, rent out rooms, you know, or, or get a two family, which is going to cost a little bit more money, but usually not double. And then you have the income from the rent from the second unit. Um, but there's other ways. There's other ways to, to get that accomplished if it makes sense.
0: But I think one, one point that never comes up or rarely comes up is that it's okay to rent. Like there's nothing wrong with renting, right? I mean, and some people rent all their lives. Some people rent for 20 years, um, beginning of their lives, end of their lives. I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons to do it. Right.
3: Well, it's a nice thing that when something breaks, you don't care. You just call up the landlord.
0: Right. And, and depending on your lifestyle, your job, you're busy, you don't, have, you don't want to deal with that stuff, you don't want to mow a lawn, you don't want to do anything, right? Like there are lots of benefits to doing it. Um, yeah, but
4: you could pay someone to do that. I think it's important to elaborate what you said, Ray. You said it right on the head. So people will think that renting is negative, but yet people give reasons why renting is positive it has to be part of a plan with an outcome, so everyone understands that you can get a single family for profit purposes. You can get a multifamily, and if the math works out, you can actually pay people to do all the stuff that you said maybe they don't want.
3: But to. we're talking about to live in, I'm assuming.
4: Yeah. yeah yes. But if, if oh, you're if renting, you're, you're not going to rent if to. If rent. you're living in yeah. a in a multifamily and one of them's yours and the other ones are, you could still be paying someone else to. Yes. Cut the lawn. You do all that stuff as long as the math is right. And with the understanding that everyone has to live somewhere and you're all paying that money. But if the house is appreciating, making you more money, the other rent is making your life easier. The conversation has to be had on what are you trying to accomplish? Because if you want zero responsibility, as long as you had the down payment and you did the pre-work, this Two-family is going to be better off than a single-family. It's just common sense. It's, it's math. Right, but you'll have more responsibility. Have more responsibility. But if you, you're doing the math, right, and you put it on the spreadsheet like right, um, Adam's always talking about, you could say, all right, my profit is X. And then all of a sudden you're sitting, well, oh, if it's $100 to cut the grass and I'd rather go eat that then I'll just cut the grass and maybe you change your perspective on what you think you're able to do and what you're not able to do. But you have to put it on paper and you have to have what you're trying to accomplish.
0: So go around the table. So after college dorming, all right, if you went to college, who's rented before, instead of buying? I you had, rented. You I rented. think we all did, didn't we? You did? Yeah. I I did for one year. Rented. Wait, wait, rented. you bought a house one year after college? No. I moved out of my parents' house, rented with some friends from work for a year, and then moved back to my parents' house. Oh, and then, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Adam did as well. So we all... So it sounds like we all did. I've never rented. Oops. Johnny never rented. Okay. So you went from your
3: parents' house to Market
2: Street? No, he, w- he was homeless for five years. Yeah. Yeah.
3: How long did you live at home before you bought your house? Like what age?
0: 30. 30 okay. years. Same for me, 29 or 30, something like that.
3: Okay. One year. I made mean, one year.
0: You lasted one year.
3: Yeah. That was enough. At home? Yes. Yeah.
1: I read an article Green recently months. about rent versus buy in terms of the home residence. You know what he's gonna have actual facts. Uh, well, <laughs> I figure I might as well if I'm gonna be talking about as sharing facts. Why not? Yeah. So in this article, it happened to be, you know, pro renting. And I think there are a lot of different reasons and factors to consider. Um, other than financial, however, I thought the article made a good point from a financial aspect. In the article, it was assuming six percent earnings uh, for growth for rental, and it was assuming eight percent for S and P five hundred going forward with equities with stocks. And so, from what that 6% perspective, six percent
2: per rental mean.
1: So it was saying income? real
2: estate if you buy a home. Oh, increase.
1: Yeah, so th- that's what that's what the. If it was you buy a assuming.
2: house, your real estate will increase at six percent.
1: That's correct. And so what it was what it was saying for the article, and again, I think it was kind of, you know, just simplistic in terms of finances, but it brought up an interesting point. And it was saying that if you're financially disciplined enough to take that same money that you would have put in a down payment for a home and put that in a stock market, then you would essentially be making more money because it'd be six. But you don't buy a
3: house to live into. For it to make more money
1: for you. Understood. But
0: sometimes people say, well, are we going to throw your money away well, renting? But when you're so asking that question, rent versus right? own, that you are asking
4: that no. question. No, yeah. It's and so, so part of which the more it was an interesting
1: point on the article. I can't say I, I 100% agree with it. I think there are so many more non-financial factors that need to be considered.
0: But I thought it was a good point. That the the way they said made. if you rent and take the down payment you would have put on a house and put it in the market. That's correct. They you said you'd that you'd be better off. Yes. And, and they were saying from the
1: article,
2: 8%. Well, it's sixty-eight percent versus six percent. Right, right. That's and, basically and what they were whatever saying. Whatever numbers you use, I, I, I agree. Right. Long, if you take a long enough uh, window, the market does so, well, better than real estate now. So let me ask you Any people that are house, six
3: percent growth per year since you bought it, because that would make uh, our house, I don't know, nine hundred thousand dollars. It's not worth nine hundred thousand dollars.
0: No, but five or six is kind of like the long-term average in, in the real estate market. But it doesn't include a lot of extra costs like repairs and stuff. That's that's in the
4: background, right? But it's there. also gives you no know, leverage. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, that you have to elaborate
2: yeah. on. Well, let's talk about the non-financial aspects of it, right? So one benefit of renting, you're mobile. You know, if you're young, you're moving around jobs, you've got a job on the East Coast or the West Coast For or anywhere else, you're much more mobile if you're renting than if you buy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't lock yourself down. That's absolutely. I think I might have read or partially read that article that you were talking about, Ed, and that was one of the things they talked about too, right? Changing jobs and all that kind of stuff, and not being tied down. And when you first buy a house, you kind of like paid a whole bunch of upfront costs that you're kind of not stuck with, but you know you threw away a bunch of money, right? Closing costs and all that stuff. And if you turn around and move soon or sell the house soon, you're you're basically you know in the hole, right? Right, because you've got
2: those transactional costs on buying and selling real estate that you don't have with renting and that can be right. easily 10 20 grand each way
4: but it has to yeah. be put into the right context of time because if you were to do that now you would always be winning right because the housing market is is booming so it has to also has to do with when you decide to do it
0: well no matter what market you're in if you buy and sell too quickly you're going to lose all that transactional money, right? Closing costs, you know, the transaction fees, all the stuff that you pay just to just to sh- close down on. Yeah, but ones, think right?
4: of your think of the house in, in the Poconos, right? In three years, it did stuff that would would have taken, oh, of ten years. Of course. Year. So, it, but it, if it, I, but when if you do it, it, it's, has a it matters
0: lot. when. But if I bought one this year and
4: sold one this right. year, it
0: would have been the same. Same, right? So, okay, so um, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no right answer, but there's nothing wrong with renting. There's nothing wrong with buying. Right. Everybody's got to have a But if you go situation. that route,
4: then you're. It's, it's very similar to anything else. Right. So if she went through her cancer without these really strong habits and this focus, you have to have the habit to now that extra money that I have available, I'm doing this. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. That's where they fall short. That's right. At least the ones that I know. We live in a town where it's predominantly rent- rentals, and I know none of them have a stockpile. Right. Theory. That's why they're renting.
2: And, and it's about... Having a plan, right? You have to have a plan. And in this case, it's, you know, the easiest way, spreadsheet. And that doesn't mean that if one option is, you know, $5,000 or or 50 cents more profitable, it doesn't mean that that's the one you take because buying might cost a little more, but hey, you want the freedom to do what you want with your house. So it it doesn't mean it's an economic only decision, but you do need to look at that.
0: And it's not a forever decision, right? It may be that, hey, right now, you know, renting is the better thing to do. Right. And then take that opportunity, save the extra money, invest it, do whatever you got to do so that you can go buy the house when you want it, when the market's right, when the interest rates are right. Um, don't feel rushed. You know, like if everybody's buying a house and all the prices are going up, like you don't have to chase everybody and do it. Do the same.
2: And I think when you ask the question, too, you, you have to expand it, too. It's not necessarily just buy or rent. It's not that black and white because couch surfing can, can beat both of those easily. It depends. Are, are you single? Do you have a you know a whole flock of kids and what kind of time duration you're looking at.
0: Couch surfing meaning your, your parents or your parents, friends. friends. Yep.
2: Then back to your parents again, then, <laughs>
0: then friends, then a cousin, <laughs> you know, you surf. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Um, let's move on to the next one. This one's And just, just like, well, sorry, right.
2: But to be serious, it, it, not being a freeloader either, you know, if at, at one house, People love to eat good food, but can't cook. Okay, maybe you're cooking dinners for them. <laughs> yeah, or you, right? you can pay maybe them you're, rent. Maybe you're fixing up the house while you're there. You 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 have to provide some kind of service. Maybe you play guitar, so you play guitar and sing every night. Right? You 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 should do something, something in exchange. Absolutely. That's what Gary does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Okay, uh, the next one is for Johnny, and this one has been uh, a long time coming. So, EV and hybrid cars versus traditional gas cars. Oh, wow,
4: that's controversial. Well, let's
0: first define them. So, wait, there's a little more meat behind this question. Let me just read it real quick. So, All right. So, how do I compare them? We could do this. Um, some people claim that EVs are still dependent on fossil fuels, so what's the point? Um, since it all comes from the, you know, burning oil and gas in a power plant, so
4: how does this all work? So without ruff, ruffling any feathers, right, I think... No, let's do that. There, there's historical, right? So so you have one that people should, should know that the electric car is not new. The electric car was, you know, 1800s, late 1800s. It, it had reached its fruition. It's been around. It has a lot of um, history behind it. And gas went and just kicked its butt for a variety of reasons. Now it's coming full circle. And people want to... Uh, sort of wean our dependency on gas or oil, let's put it, right? So we understand the fundamental reason why it comes about because it's not an easy process. If there isn't that in the equation, you would never think to make an electric car. Isn't what in the equation? Making an electric car is not easy. So you have to have a reason why you would do all this effort. And the one main reason is that we're dependent on foreign oil foreign um, resources, and there's certain political reasons that we don't want to go into other areas that have this oil. So we we find these reasons why we have to go through these different technologies, hydrogen being one of them. And we have to, you can't have the full conversation without saying what competes with electric too, right? So they all have their little shortcomings. So to answer the, the question is, and this number is a little rough, but they say between 52 and 48% of the Electricity in the United States is made by burning coal. Coal is a horrible pollutant, right? No one is—will anyone here contest that? Coal's no good, right? right? All of the processes that are associated with it are are causing problems. Well, the problem is—is is that no one wants nuclear power plants or any other version of or technology hasn't come to to fruition on other technology, we cannot make it without having other problems. So everyone knows nuclear power plants, what their problems are. They create these wastes. We know what happened in Japan. Storm caused all this problems. So the conventional way of making electricity has not changed. But now everyone's putting a very large load on the infrastructure that now is causing you to compete, Right then you have a lot of other things that happen, whereas solar has not come to fruition the way it's supposed to. So you take all these different things and you say to yourself, what is the industry doing to deal with this sort of question that you pose to me? So the one biggest thing is you create a hybrid car, which is half electricity and half gas base. So, and this would be sort of a discussion that you would have everyone here, because I think everyone's enough to to chime in. So it's not just my opinion. This is just my opinion. The problem that I have with it is that you're, in order to make a battery, take all the components of the battery, now you're creating so much of a process that goes from the mining in Africa, where it gets processed, it gets, some of them gets shipped to England, some of it gets shipped to Japan, and then it ships all the way back to the United States. People don't understand that the carbon footprint of that electric vehicle is worse than a gas one. Number one. Number two, the necessary resources for the batteries are also a big question mark, right? Can you fulfill the, the orders of all these battery manufacturers once it becomes mainstream? Number two, will you run out of the natural resources? And three, does anyone care that there's little kids the same way that they're mining for diamonds, they're mining for this stuff, they pay them pennies. Right. So you have this global dilemma on how to solve this very simple equation of we are too dependent on foreign oil or or we think it's going to run out. Right.
2: Wait, I I think you're minimizing it. It, it, It's not just that it's foreign oil. Right. Doesn't global climate change and warming play into that as well?
4: That's what I started the whole thing. So people think that they're mitigating that by going electric when you're not. It's, the, it's almost the same footprint, and in some cases, it's, it's a worse footprint. So, but let me let me finish this with only because I'm just giving you my very simple view of it. So, man is they're not dumb, right? So you have range anxiety, you have deficiencies in batteries on why you can't get the same, you know, three four hundred miles out of a tank or whatever. So what do they do? They make a hybrid car which in my opinion is actually the worst thing you could possibly do because now you're not just one full-fledged wing of the automotive industry is pure gas and one full swing is battery. When you join them, now you have a million cars with the same technology, which now you're competing against even the ones who have decided this is not a good technology. I'm not going to go that route. But why do you think it's bad?
0: I mean... when I think about a hybrid car, I think it uses electricity when it can, and it uses gas when it needs to, and it's using less fossil fuel. Because you're using
4: both. Correct, but what's wrong with that? Well, because you have to have some type of identity. If you're saying that gas is bad, you're just solving range anxiety by giving them that option. Well, you're right. not doing anything for- Well,
2: them. you're reducing but, the
4: consumption of gas. Right, but to say that you're going to but you're creating a whole other avenue to still need electricity. I agree, but like flipping a
0: switch and saying every car is going to become electric tomorrow, it's never going to happen. You need to find some like migration path from from one fuel source to the other, right? So hybrid feels like the natural
4: progression. I, I, would, I would disagree in the sense that there's two things that have to be decided. Has... Is it true that we're running out of oil or is it simple propaganda, number one? Have we really done the effort to make a 60-mile-an-hour or 60-gallon-per-mile car or are we just rushing into this technology that sort of poses to make our life a little easier, right? So it's a marriage of have we really pulled this technology all the way forward, right? So in order to have that conversation, it gets a little a little touchy in the sense that have the large manufacturers pulled every ounce of horsepower out of a gallon of gas? And the answer is no, right? They could make a lot more fuel efficient cars. They could do a lot more technology, but there's just all, it's just all convoluted because, you know, who is the, who is the leader in the industry? It's like when you, and you, you sort of go on these little tangents, so I apologize, but, when you have people who will pay 5 $6 for a cup of, of coffee, and you try to tell them, listen, you don't really need to drive by yourself in a Suburban, and they say, that's what I want? That's the true ill of the Americans. We want what we want when we want it, and we don't care about the rest. It's just that the manufacturers go into these little rants on saying, we're going to offer these things for the people who do think that they have this thing under control. But at the end of the day, it's very simple. It's how we started. Can you sustain the creation of these batteries? Can you sustain them to be correctly recycled? If you can say that, then you're actually heading to the right direction on what everyone wants to accomplish. But when you look that it takes that much more money to recycle this battery, there is no uses for it after a certain amount of time. And then all of the resources that you paid all this money to gather, can no longer be reused. Someone has to see that, whereas the regular automotive industry has got that figured out. All they're fighting against is this, is it true that we're going to run out of oil? And is it true that there's one run, way? Like, so Wait, but how China, about if you if run you, out of the stuff that you're making the batteries? If
2: for? you keep you're going, going we're just going to be piling up 50 questions each, and we're not going to get to them. Yeah, no, no, about no. To so so the,
4: the question was no, how I can, feel about it. So roll, I man. do not I do not feel that we're headed in the right direction only because you're, you're the scale is which one is more sustainable than the other. Right. So it's sort of saying. We could put all these solar panels on these houses, but we won't tell anyone that it takes $30 to recycle that thing, and we only give them $2 to do it. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is you, that? You're going to have a day of reckoning. But why is that? One problem? or the other. But why? I mean, no one, when you go and buy
0: a hot dog at the store, no one's asking, like, is that thing it's wrapped in able to be recycled or the packaging from my headphones that I bought at the iPad? at the iPhone store. Had, like, no one's checking on the recyclability of the, of the but packaging. But they are
4: for cars. They're selling to the <laughs> public that that is the solution to their preconceived notion well, that gas well, is well, causing well, this. Let's, all problem. Right. let's
2: first back up. First, about oil and fossil fuels. They're either finite or they're infinite on this planet. Are you saying that
4: they might be infinite? I'm not saying anything. What I'm saying is... Well, the one just... thing that they have convinced people is that they're doing a good thing because it's gonna run out, but they've never told you it's gonna go- run out in a hundred million years, a million years, one year, ten years. Yeah, they have. Like, there's so tons so of projections.
2: What is it? And we don't know if it is fifty years or two hundred years, but it is not thousands of years if we continue the way we're we're going. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is finite. We have to find another way to generate power, whether we, we want to or not, if we want to, to still have the, the luxuries we have. Have to find a n- new form of power. Might as well be sooner rather than later. Your point about the energy it takes and the carbon footprint of mining all of these special metals that are required for the batteries is, is a point well taken, and it is an enormous impact. However, you mine those once, right? Once they're mined, you don't have to mine it again.
3: How, how not? I mean, once you build a battery,
2: you still have to mine more to
3: build another battery.
2: Well, but you're never going to have to mine what you mined for that first battery again. So each battery, the, the amount of metal in each battery has only been mined once, even though it may be the hundredth battery it's put into. So what I'm saying is there's an initial cost, right? But over time, your batteries are going to be
4: 100%
2: recycled because we've gotten
4: We can't recycle them now. They're not being being recycled I believe what he's getting to is you hope so.
2: Well, so that's my question for for, for Johnny. Do you agree with that, that batteries, the, the, the elements that are in batteries, these rare earth elements, are not being recycled at the end of the life of the battery?
4: They're not. Only because it takes too much money. Right. So I think that's I should have started. I I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's bullshit. Perhaps I should have started a conversation by saying we should make a list of the things that have to evolve at the same time without making a claim that gives people this false sense of I'm doing the right thing. They don't understand that there's Equal repercussions on both ways. So let's,
2: let's take this to something real tangible. Okay, someone's driving a Prius out there. It's got 300,000 miles on it, 400,000 miles on it. Great. Gets to the point where you just can't recharge the battery anymore, right? That, that's, that's kind of an end of life that will mm-hmm. happen eventually. Okay, right. so the battery, which weighs, what, 500 pounds or something? Can't recharge it anymore. What physically happens to that? I go you know, trade it in for, for another Prius or something dealership takes it or it goes to it.
4: what happens to it so i wish I, my memory was better but they're saying that up until 30 percent of that is unrecyclable right? i just came from a, a seminar not to not to change a thing i found something very interesting but it's the same type of mentality they're using not i know this is going to sound really strange not has one thing to do with the other but it will i'll come full circle with it Went to a seminar because we're putting in membranes to <laughs> deal with our whey. So we we concentrate whey R O W H E Y. Yeah, Whey, oh, as know. in W H E Y, you make concentrate out of the different things, you sell it to different industries because it's got it's high in protein, right? We go to the seminar to learn this, find out that the carbon footprint of the beer industry to <clears throat> deliver kegs in all the United States is larger than the footprint of the automotive industry. Who would have thought that? You're beer, <laughs> so, you uh, uh, beer. So you get right, it out of beer. So drinking and driving, keg- not okay. Not my beer. <laughs> <either>. No. <laughs> so the statistics were just while well, you're sitting in the stool, not when you leave. Right. So the thing that's the, the kegs have to be transported, yeah. filled, clean. It was an amazing thing. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to Get people to understand this process, they're gonna concentrate the beer, you're gonna get these little kegs instead of large kegs, and the same way that you you do your fountain soda, it'll reconstitute the beer, right? But what are they trying to get people to understand? The carbon footprint of that is so massive that the industry has to say, well, we don't care if that tapped beer tastes or looks a little different than the other, something has to happen. And the way that we're going to get that to happen is to make people aware on how much that beer actually costs them. Well, it's the same thing with any car. Some, I believe the industry's obligation to answer the thing is when you go to buy a car, there should be... The same way that you get your gas guzzler tax and they came up with some equation on why this car should have been a certain way, there should be a carbon footprint on an electric car. And it should be making people aware that they are not solving the problem completely. Not even they're just creating a different dependency. So let's let's boil
0: it all the way down because this went way philosophical, right? If, you had a, if somebody was asking you the question today, should I buy an electric car or, or stick with a gas car, what would, you, what would you say?
4: I would say, what is your reasoning for doing that? If you think you're going to save the earth by doing that, you might want to do a little bit more research.
0: And what if they just, they, they just want to know what's the better car? Of the two or of what's coming?
4: Today. Today. If, if today. today. Oh, today?
0: Electric cars are a lot more
3: do
4: money. Do they have a lot more, more money? You never need your money back. I would say if they're really trying to, to save the earth, that's their motivation, and they have good money, I'd buy a hydrogen car. Are where rare. do you which get are, that? Which are rare, right? Is where it, where yeah. do you get that? BMW's making one. For real? Um, Honda's making one. You know, and how, there's where there's do you people. fill it? Huh? Where would you fill it? There's there's um, fill stations. How? Far and there's can some you in go? New Jersey. You use the same as they use the buses.
3: How how far can you go on that?
4: It's about thirty to forty percent more than an electric car, and it only uh, its waste is only water. Right. The, the emissions is only water. Is so, it a big cost? Huh? Is it a big cost? Anything new is big, of course. Of course, no I mean, of the ballpark is it four yeah.
2: million dollars if I want to. No, 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 one no, no, no. It's,
3: it's probably to, the to same. Thirty
4: percent more than a regular to pilot. fill
3: it. If you had to go fill it,
4: that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what that costs, but it's it's touted as being a lot better. Obviously, it's you know everyone knows the hydrogen Bob, and, and the Hindenburg. These things, their biggest thing is that they hang, have to encaps, encapsulate the cell so that it could withstand um, an accident. Right, so they're they're in right. and, th- and that's been
2: the knock on them, right? Like <coughs> h- highly the explosive. Um, do
4: you has that been resolved in these cars that are being sold? The new ones, yes. The new ones, like they've they've shown very similar. It has a shell. It even some of them even have systems that have a foam in the middle. That once it it senses that it breaks, it creates a, a different effect to isolate the cell. But the point that I'm trying to make, and I think I apologize for being long winded in answering it, it's controversial. But it's not, if you could just see it sort of as in what they replace. So they're replacing electricity with gas, but it doesn't come free. And I think the misconception is, when I plug this thing in, the whole system is set up that way. It's not, the infrastructure of the United States is not set up that way. The charging stations are not set up that way. And there's there's a conversation to be had so that everyone knows all the facts associated with it. So this
2: is, this is great. Um, in terms of, you know, where hydrogen fits in, let's say if, if it cost me $100 in gasoline to get from A to B, it costs, if I have an electric vehicle, it'll cost 70 bucks A to B, it's a little better. Where does hydrogen fit in there?
4: I got it. I wasn't prepared for those numbers, but I have to say they're better, but the infrastructure is obviously, to my knowledge, most of them are buses um, and large fleets that uh, cities have Put a pretty big investment. in.
0: So, so then, I think a hydrogen car is not a good answer. So back I to the I, EV gas question. I
3: thought I read somewhere about that. Well, if you they, have the money true.
4: and you have a generator that you would buy and have it in your own house, so that's why you have to have the full conversation. So there's the, ways that, that the around. Hydrogen, that's not a realistic answer. <laughs> Hold on, on But The hydrogen. But at the, one point, electric cars were also a hundred grand right? The right. first Tesla was... A
2: car hydrogen car. is made on site, right? There's no yeah. distribution network needed for it like there is for Correct. gasoline and Correct. electricity. Okay. So can I generate hydrogen in my garage? You could, if you had the money.
3: I thought I read somewhere that these hydrogen vehicles are great for like trucks. Fleets. Yeah. But not for cars. The cost was not effective for cars.
2: Well, is that because the trucks all returned to a central... Location where they're being generated, so, like
4: buses are going back to the depot at the end of the day. And uh, so, I probably answered Ray's thing the wrong way only because I thought it was like all money aside. What would I buy? No, no, no. That's this is let's
0: get back down like to realistic? Re- realistic.
4: Realistic, I would buy the if you really felt that you're doing things well until that that industry gets their act together and really gives the public. True information, I would buy a small four cylinder supercharged or turbocharged that gives you 45, 50 miles to the gallon and you're good to go. Gasoline. Used, Gasoline. Gasoline. used yeah. or new? Used or new. Of course, used. Of course well
0: said. Used
3: prices right now are more expensive. No, they're, they're come coming back. Down. That's they're come, coming
4: back. Yeah. Trust me. I, I just came back from vacation. The The, the supply of cars is back. John, That's going to start to come down.
2: How used? Is there a sweet spot? You know, two to three years old. Should be four to five years old
4: or a certain mileage. I'm going to say something very controversial after, I want to say 2000s, 2005s. I don't believe there's a bad car. I believe there's only bad owners. So your job in the used car market is to evaluate the owner.
3: So at least a 2005 or newer.
4: Correct. So what if it's got 200,000 miles? Owner. So maintenance record. Yeah. Maintenance. Were you on the highway? Were you on the city? That really does have a lot to do with it. Did you take it? So I'll give you guys a quick thing. My father needed a new car. His 380,000 mile Forerunner died and he just took on a 392,000 Lexus from 2003 because it was in knees and she took care of it all in the dealer. So the car's <laughs> in great shape.
3: 390,000 miles? Yeah.
4: Sometimes you can but find- But it's two thousand
3: three. on three. That goes against your 2005 or newer.
4: Point is, I know the owner, <laughs> right? The owner took it only the Ray Katina, did everything right. by the book. So, pop, wow, you need another car. You could probably squeeze fifty thousand miles out of that thing. And he's he's right. happier than than <laughs> I won't say what. Sometimes you even,
1: can find used cars such as a minivan with meticulous uh, maintenance records. Yeah, look at you saw
4: uh, at Lucas's Solera. That's it's, it's like it's stuck in time. The, the guy was older man, took care of it. It was it's immaculate. Yeah, so, we, we
0: bought a used car from a friend of ours once. It was a Honda uh, minivan with a meticulous track record, all the paperwork, <laughs> everything in the glove box, dates on everything. That's what you want. And that it was doesn't beautiful. sound like that, that. sounds pretty organized. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely organized, <laughs> Jody, well thought what, out. what percent
2: of vehicles or owners are, are that meticulous? You know, not necessarily perfection of every little thing, but basically, you know, all the, all the records are there. Are we I want to say 30%.
4: I've run into about 30% of the so, people that go wow, like, so it's, it's worth looking for. Like, it's it's oh, a needle in a haystack. I like
3: to back up why why rent. I, I, I buy you, sorry.
4: Because someone already took the brunt of the the largest, you know, depreciation yeah, right. that it's going to have. You know, you lose 10 grand the, the second you drive it off that number is probably r- wrong, right? That's an old number. The minute you drive it off the lot, you pay 30 for it, it's worth 20, right? And I'm taking I'm talking about historical numbers, right? So the minute you get that two year, three year, four year car, it's already done its bulk of its depreciation. And not to mention, we're talking about the, the, the cars that are in our circle, good cars, Hondas, Toyotas. We're not talking about Mercedes, we're not talking about high-end cars that their jump, their first depreciation dump is way too big, right? So that doesn't fall in the they're equation. Cost, yeah,
2: Gary, like- I, think, I think the answer is if you routinely buy used cars, then over your lifetime, your monthly average equivalent car payment is gonna be much less than if you bought new. I will
1: share from my experience, the last car that we bought was actually certified pre-owned used cars. And my thought with the used which car- Which is better, pre-owned or used? No, no, it was certified, pre-owned, which I didn't know means a used car. So in case the listeners <laughs> didn't, didn't know. know. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I was like, what's certified pre-owned? What is that? Pre-owned. And then someone was like, oh, it's used. And I'm like, so why are they give it a fancy name? And then I realized- Because somebody certified it. It's because the dealership is standing behind the balance of the warranty. Correct. I always shied away from used cars because I always felt like, well, I have no security. I have no peace of mind, you know, knowing or not knowing what exactly am I getting into with this used mystery car car. But in this case, the dealership is standing behind. If it has a 100,000 mile warranty and the car has 30,000, then we're standing behind the remainder balance of the 70,000. We're covering you as if you were the original owner. And to me, I thought that really took a lot of the concern that I had of what exactly am I getting into? The only thing I did find out about, which I was not aware until that experience, is you have to buy a certified pre-owned car from the dealer of that make of the car. So for instance, if you want a Honda, you can get a certified pre-owned Honda from a Honda dealer. If you go to the Chevy dealer down the street, you can buy a used Honda, but they cannot sell you a certified pre-owned used Honda. You have to get that from the Honda dealership. Sure.
2: I agree. There's a lot of uh, peace of mind that you can kind of inherit with certified pre-owned, but as our resident expert, Johnny, do do you agree?
4: Uh, so, that's a little. so
0: Johnny, don't get too deep, right? If we don't have someone like you to call and be like, hey, I wanted to buy this used car. Can you come check it out for me? Blah, blah, blah. If they got to do it on
4: their own, where do you, where do you, what, send people? what I, what I give people the advice to do is if they should already have, if you're getting a used car, you should have a mechanic that you trust and there is no one selling a car who you would trust that they didn't let you say, can I have my mechanic look at it? That's the answer.
2: And the way to make that happen quickly is to call the seller, have him meet
4: you at your mechanic's place, exactly. and bring a lot of cash with you. And they, if they say no, then you got a problem. Right. Simple as that. And and most good service centers are used to that already. Back in the day, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, I can't because that doesn't, you know, I don't make any money off of it." But if you're a customer, they usually would say yes.
0: Yeah, and I, I can say from our experience, we've been through, you know kind of late 90s, early 2000s models, Camrys, and Hondas at Johnny's recommendation, and they've been great, right? Whether it was- well, the, what about
3: buying from a used car dealership? Or or no?
0: Uh, oh, we've tried it and once in a while. Unless I mean, you have Johnny with you. What the Network problem had with had that experience.
4: is, and it's just like the, the gas car, electric car, if you understand the, the nuances of the industry, the problem that I have with, with used cars is the system is very simple. They all go to the auction, the auction has these rules. You have a certain time frame to look at that car. If that person looking at it doesn't know what they're doing, you're bringing back a car that they feel is okay. So they're actually not lying to you. They just think, hey, I looked at this car. And then auctions all of us are
2: within the industry, and the private citizen can attend them. But this is typically what happens in the industry behind the
4: scenes. No, so yeah. unfortunately, no. So um, the auctions that are only for used cars, you need a license for those. So they're not okay. Open, so but so up.
2: this is this is completely private. behind the scenes. Correct. So whatever they're buying, obviously they've got to mark that up. Correct. To make no, money. no, that's yep. the
4: way the whole system works, right? So you're either in a network. So like some of these off brands, people don't realize they're actually the used car section of a dealer. What's an it off just, brand? What do you mean by that? So you'll see ENG sales or some really off brand used car, but you don't know that that's Range Rover down the road's used car thing, okay. and they just add all their cars with additional ones. Okay. Right. That's their avenue for when Adam traded in his car for his Tacoma. I need an avenue for these cars, right? To so sell, even, the, the trade-ins. to trade in. To trade in. So a lot of people don't know that there's some of those associated with dealers. But most of them are independent, and it's a very simple formula. You go to Perth Amboy. I tried it. I tried to get my used car for myself, my used car uh, license. There's a certain zoned area in your town that they will only allow – used cars you 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 to fill sell out, them to sell them right you just can't sell cars anywhere on perth right Am- it's a business perth amboy after 2005 only on route 35 you could do a new uh, used car center wow. they won't let it anywhere else a
2: helpful Oh, sorry. But that's just typical planning and zoning. Right. Well, so yeah, what I'm okay. saying
4: is that's how they get it, right? So they get it, right location. They get their license. You have to fill out certain things, like you're selling tires and are you doing service at the location, blah, blah, blah. You get all that stuff done. They give you that. You do all your paperwork. Now you can go to these places. Go to those places. Auction, follow you know, their routine. You know, the, 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 the Right, the auction. Then once you get that car back, then now it's your job to pedal it, do what you got to do. There's a huge... Gap in there, right? So you know, it's it's. I don't like it only because you're only going by how good that person was who picked it at the auction, right? Or what? else they're oblivious, just like
0: you. But once they get it, they're still bringing it back and seeing what's wrong and fixing it. You hope theoretically. So we've had an experience that way. So so uh, Way's brother has contacts at the auctions, and we've been able to get cars that way. And What they've done is, you know, once they found the car that we thought we wanted at the price we wanted, they bring it back to their place and they go through it and say, hey, it's good. You can have it. It it needs this extra work. Do you want to pay for it? Right. And we've kind of been through that process. And it's it's been I think generally it's worked out well. Yeah.
1: A helpful resource for the listeners who might be in a position either looking for used or pre-owned certified vehicles is kellybluebook.com. It's actually K B B com. I found that to be very helpful. Pretty much anything you enter in there, it'll pop up and it has a lot of flexibility. And if you're not really too tech savvy, such as myself, it is
0: extremely user-friendly. So I really like that site. Yeah, it's been around forever. All right. Um, I think, um, I didn't think we expected that two questions were going to take that long, but I think we're good. So um, until we talk next time, that's Addict Static.
3: Thank you for listening to the Addict Static Podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe and feel free to leave a comment below. Or come check us out at our website at addictstaticpod.com.
0: And stay tuned for new episodes out every Monday.